welcome to another episode of Live with a Cork in the Road. I'm Kelly, your wine explorer here in Atlanta, Georgia, and I am talking to people all about their careers in wine and how they're shaping the Southeast wine industry. Today, I am so excited. I have a superstar here in Atlanta and the United States and on a national scale. Uh, this is Nancy Waldeck, and she is a chef. She's a certified health coach. She's a wine specialist. She's a cookbook author, a public speaker. She's everything. She's a superhero. Hi, Nancy. Hey, that's very nice. I don't think I've ever been referred to as a superhero. You are a superhero in the wine and food world, and I'm sure many other things. But I also love, because I think that I've read that you are kind of self-proclaimed as a healthy chef Partyologist. So to kick us off, tell me what what does that mean? I love it. It sounds like you do a lot of events, classes, food and wine. You're kind of at the intersection of it all. Well, thank you. And that's what I've worked really hard to do. So I do three things. I teach, I taste, and I travel. And I love to do those three things with other people. So as I explored what I like to do and what I think I'm pretty good at, um, I brought people along with me. And so a healthy chef, you know, 10 years ago when I named myself that, there were not very many healthy chefs. And I really had to talk people into wanting to eat healthy food. And today, everybody's into it. But 10 years ago, I had to talk people into it. So I called myself a partiologist because I'm not a food Nazi. I am not a vegetarian or vegan. I'm not paleo, gluten-free, keto, or anything else. I just love to eat good food that's unpackaged. And so that's why I'm a healthy chef. And I'm also a partiologist because I almost always pair wine with my food. So it's always a party when it comes to the food and wine yeah. combos. I love that. I think it's so unique that that's your title. And I love that I've seen that all over the internet and like on your cookbook and like descriptions. Like it's so fun. It really sets you apart. But what pulled you in first? Was it food or wine or was it concurrent? I've always had my foot in the uh, food world. Uh, when I was in high school, my sister owned a gourmet basket. So I learned how to cook really from my sister and the Swiss woman who was the chef there. And then in college and a little bit after, I had a catering company, which I stopped doing after I realized that I was making seven cents an hour. I didn't like buying frozen things or doing things that other people did. So I was doing everything from scratch. It was really time intensive. And what I really, truly discovered along the way is that I love teaching others how to eat better and pair wine with it. So I would say food was first. I always was interested in wine. My parents had lived in Europe a long time before I came along. And so we drank wine when I was growing up. We always thought it was interesting. And the early 2000s, I thought, well, if I really like wine, why don't I get some education about wine? So I investigated and found that the Wine and Spirits Education Trust had a class. So now I have a WSET 3, which is an advanced certification, which means that I can teach professionals and enthusiasts. And the enthusiasts are the ones that I love. I'm not a wine snob. I want to watch those light bulbs come on when I, I share wine and, and just help people to drink a little bit better as well as eat better too. Drink better, eat better, and have a good time. I love this. And I did see, so 
you were, you obviously had your chef training. I love that that kind of pulled you in first. And then you went into more formal wine education. Um, but what excites you about this world that you're living in now of the food and wine pairings? Well, because I think so many people are afraid of, of food and wine pairings. I'm doing consulting right now for a, a event that they've got their wine. They just don't know what to pair with it. And I think so many chefs and, and then so many just lay people are afraid to know what goes together. But if you know what something tastes like and you know what the wine tastes like, then that allows you to move them two together. And that's really what I think creates that party atmosphere or a memorable experience. And I think that you're really good at knowing what your clients want or what your groups are doing and how to kind of bring the two together in a really memorable way. And I know that I met you actually at doing one of these wine and pairing events. You were you were playing chef that night and I was playing wine girl. And we had a whole group of, of men who were wanting to learn how to cook. And I loved it. It's the Les Marmitons. Is that right? Yes. So how did you get connected with that group? Because you were the leading lady that night. You were teaching groups and teams of men that may not have any formal training in cooking background, but you were kind of facilitating this whole cooking experience. So tell me how that came about. Like Marmiton is actually an international men's cooking group. And every time I, I do something with one of the groups, it, it just cracks me up because they are very serious about wanting to learn how to cook better. I guess I've been involved with Les Marmitons and I've done it for three different groups of Les Marmitons. There are three groups in Atlanta, but they're they're actually all over North America. And I've seen individuals get better at cooking every time I go back. So I typically do one about once a year and they're a lot of fun and I enjoy teaching. That's my thing. So teaching interaction. Would that be what you would say drives you to do what you're doing currently? I absolutely think so. Just helping people eat better at home every day and to cook better and to do it easily and to unpackage what they're eating um, makes me super happy. And then wine just adds, you know, another dimension. And people are also afraid of wine and they buy the same bottle in the store over and over again. And they don't have to. I actually specialize in wine under $20 because I think that if you have a lot of money, you can have all the wine in the world you want, but that's not fun, right? The fun is finding the under $20 bottle that you can enjoy on a Tuesday and you love it and you, you have some options. I always say that I'm way more impressed by a $20 stunner than I am by, let's say, a $100 bottle of wine that I'm expecting to knock my socks off. Like, I think that the price point of making it way more approachable on a regular day basis is pretty exciting. And I love that that's kind of what you're, you're celebrating. And I'm so interested about this because I know that education is something really important to you. But then you also were mentioning that you have this certification from Emory University here in Atlanta. So what does that mean for you now? And how did that connection come about? Are you teaching classes at Emory with this certification or is it something that you received from them? It is something I received from them because I'm a healthy chef. So I do a lot of work in the health world in both cancer, diabetes, heart disease, specifically for women. So I teach classes. Uh, Piedmont Hospital here in Atlanta has four teaching kitchens around the state. And they are complete teaching kitchens. They have the video monitoring and everything else. So 
I feel very lucky to do that. In addition, I do it for other groups, corporate classes, and I do Northside. I've done it for their social workers. And so what I do is go in and have a list of recipes that I go through, but I also give people tips and tricks and techniques to make their food not only taste better, but more nutritious. So a lot of times I work with doctors or dietitians. And I wanted to have something that said, hey, I have, I've, I've got the chops to do it with you. So I did the Emory Health Coach. With, it was very interesting. I was the only chef that was in the class and the only chef that I think has done it for a great number of classes. And um, so I was working with people that were employed in the insurance industry, um, people that were nurses, dietitians, things like that. And it just gave me a better understanding of a little bit more of how to talk to people about health and things like that. So I'm very appreciative of that. But I ne- this is a long answer, but I never would have found out about that. I actually teach at Emory. I teach Wine Basics and Beyond. I love this. Oh my gosh. So you, you were teaching yourself and then you found out about another opportunity for you to enhance your education in something else. Exactly. You know, we know we, we should never stop learning. That's for sure. That's fantastic. And I am excited because now I'm putting all of the dots together. This happens to me in Atlanta, which is a big city, but it feels like a small town sometimes because of all the people that know each other. And one of my good wine friends is Billy Harris. And she was actually on a couple episodes ago and she just loves you. And I believe it's because she started getting her education from one of your wine basics classes at Emory. She did. Billy is wonderful. I love her. And she, you know, I have a lot of students that because I taste different wines and talk different wines for these four week classes, I have students that come back and repeat. And I think Billy has been in my class like three or four times. And um, she's certainly an asset. I think she's such a smart woman. I really, really like her. So you're meeting people that are also trying to get their foot in the door in the industry, it sounds like. If they're coming to your class, I mean, if, if Billy's example, you know, A, then I feel like people are looking to you, Nancy, for some really wonderful education that can also drive them to do a career path in the wine industry. And that's Super exciting. Well, thank you. What I do in the Wine Basics class is give people a good foundation. And if they like it, then um, I try to give them other ideas of what else they can do. Of course, Billy was so smart. So she takes people to North Georgia to visit wineries. And, you know, that's that's just another fun thing to do with wine is to go to tasting rooms and wineries. And, you know, that's where you really learn is when you concentrate and focus on it instead of just drinking the wine. Exactly. Having that education piece. And I love that you've mentioned this as kind of this backbone for your your personal wine journey, but also how you're helping others is, you know, these tools, the knowledge, because then you understand it, but also appreciate it a little bit more. And I think that that's a really cool combination to have, especially in an educational setting. So how do people find out about the classes? Are they people that are, is it word of mouth? Are you, or are you working at, you know, maybe you do some sort of event and then you're saying, come learn more in kind of a formal classroom setting, or how does that work for you? So Emory, I'm in the continuing education department. So a lot of people in Atlanta, I think probably about 40,000 of them get the, um, get the flyers, the catalogs for them every year. So that's one way. Um, so they do the advertising for me. I also try to social media it up when I'm doing the classes. I do three sets of classes 
a year. Um, my next ones are in start July 16th. It's a four week class. It's a Tuesday night for two hours from 630 to 830. But the other thing I do is I have a weekly newsletter, which I've been working on for shockingly 10 years now. And every Friday, I send out my newsletter to about 6,000 people. So I always put, you know, it, don't forget, Emery's coming up. So, and then also word of mouth, people that have come before, tell friends. One of the most fun things is a lot of times we'll have a single person come in. And then the next session, I will have a group come in from their office. So word has spread. They come in so knowledgeable. And now the office wants to have that culture and that experience as well. Yes. That's awesome. It really does sound like a great opportunity for people to bond. I mean, I don't know about you, but like you do a lot of events like I do. And whenever I see people interacting at wine related or food related events, it's like, this is going to change the world someday. Like, I really think that it brings people together. It gets people talking about topics that I may never see those two people talking about in any other setting except food and wine. And you're able to create that. And then you watch the word spread and people become more interested in what you're doing. And again, superhero status right there. Oh, uh, you know, um, I'm very fond of a, there is an article that you can find online called A Thousand Raving Fans. And it, you know, in this day of social media and millions of followers on Instagram and things like that, it really brings down to the point that you don't have to have a million followers to make a difference in people's lives. And so that's what the thousand raving fans is all about. That's about all you need is a thousand raving fans and you can do anything you want to do. That's amazing. I love that. And you don't think about it sometimes when you're looking on social media and you see those numbers and I have, you know, I think about it as the quality of those relationships, whether it's online or in person at your classes, you in particular have this opportunity to train and educate people that maybe it makes the biggest difference in their career path. And that may be one or two people, but that's huge. It's like, I like that. It's quantity is not as important as the quality of those relationships that you're building. And I, I really, really appreciate that. I think that also you, you use your superhuman powers for really good things. A lot of the time I was also reading on your website about all the events that you have done to partner for nonprofits or for charity events. Can you give me some of the most memorable examples of things that you have done where you've, you've used your skills in wine and food to really, really help an organization? Well, I, I actually, I've done two for Women's Heart recently, one with the Junior League of Atlanta, where um, we went in and I did food and wine pairing, and this was all about heart health. So that was something that I did recently. That was with the Piedmont Women's Heart Initiative, because, you know, we always think about guys and heart attacks, but actually not having heart health for women is the biggest killer in the United States. And then, of course, my heart is at uh, cancer wellness programs because I'm a, a cancer survivor. So I teach at lots of different places, even do webinars for today's dietitian on oncology eating, how to eat better. And it's there's no secret to any of these things. It's all anti-inflammatory cooking and eating and Basically, if you're eating a lot of colors and you're eating lots of veg and fruit, then you're doing great. This is incredible. I actually did not even know that part of your life of surviving, conquering cancer. I'm so inspired by that. Thank you for sharing that piece of you. Because I think that a lot of times when you're living in the world of health and nutrition, 
it's really interesting to have your own personal experience with navigating that space. And it makes me wonder, like, because you also are, you know, in the party atmosphere with food and wine, do you get asked a lot about like wine as part of a healthy lifestyle or balance? You know, how do you navigate that space of people saying, you know, alcohol for health or how do you fit that into your current well-being? Well, first of all, I was lucky enough to have an oncologist who said to me while I was going through treatment, um, there's nothing wrong with a glass of wine every once in a while. So that that made me feel good. But uh, honestly, what I say is I'm not a doctor and I'm not a dietitian and I don't want to be. You need to refer to your own healthcare professional. However, I, I'm talking about tasting. I'm not talking about drinking, right? And you can, of course, have a glass of wine if that fits into your lifestyle. But um, I try really hard to talk about why we're tasting wine. It's to have a good time and to enhance the food. And the other thing I do is I never do a wine tasting without having at least some food. I don't. I, I, I believe that wine and food go together and they both enhance each other. So if I'm doing a tasting, I've got something for people to eat. That's so perfect. You're able to balance that. You know, it's it's in in conjunction with food. It is not ever taking something to the extreme. It's not drinking, again, the, the quantity. It's the educational experience of tasting the wines. And I think that's really important just as an industry because I think you know, a lot of times people are like, oh, Kelly, you drink all the time. I go, well, I drink often, uh, but not necessarily a lot. And it's kind of hard to explain that to people when you are in the wine world. But I love how you just described that. It's the tasting experience. It's not you know, out of balance with the food or how it interacts with food as part of your daily diet. So I really enjoy that you described it that way. Do you have any places that you just think have really changed the way you see wine as an agricultural product by visiting the place? Uh, oh, absolutely. Um, I love to travel and taste and learn. Four years ago, I started taking people on trips and I take two or three trips a year and I take 12 people. That's it. And we go to a place that I know, that I have met everyone, that I have stayed in the hotels, that I have experienced and gone to the restaurants and stuff. And we learn about food and wine. But here's what I have to say about that. I think we should all really start experimenting on where we go instead of just, then there's nothing wrong with Napa and Sonoma. And I took a group there two years ago. I love Napa and Sonoma. But instead of just concentrating on the places, that we know we we need to kind of expand and and look at other places because there's so many places even in the United States that make fabulous wine that you will never know about until you go and experience it. Finger Lakes, New York, people think, oh, it's Riesling and it's sweet. It's not. They make all kinds of beautiful red wines and white wines. And it can be sweet, but it doesn't have to be. Beautiful, dry, citrus. Oh, they make rockin' Cabernet Franc. Um, so Finger Lakes is a great place to go. Um, Virginia. Virginia wine country. I love Virginia wine country. Is that one of your favorites too? It is. And I used to work in the Virginia wine industry. I used to manage a winery there. And my goal in life is for everyone to discover Virginia for wine. So the fact that you just said that, you didn't even know that. So everyone listening, that's legit. She has no idea. And she is also advocating for Virginia. So when you've gone to Virginia, what are some grapes that stand out for you? Again, the Cabernet Franc is big and beautiful in Virginia. The Norton Grape, I think best Norton anywhere in the United States. 
But um, blends seem to be really, really good from there. Octagon, which is one of my favorite red blends from there. There you go. That's really, really fun. That's a great place from Barbersville. And that is available sometimes. I see it in Georgia. Barbersville does distribute here. So one of those places to keep in mind. But yes, the blends, the artistic blends of the winemakers in Virginia are really, really standing out. I absolutely agree. You know, someplace that we don't think about, which I have done wine country there and have started really enjoying their, some of their wines is Texas Hill Country. I have not been. You are like the the like 50th person to tell me I need to go to Texas wine country. Okay, tell me more. When was the last time that you were there? I was there about four years ago, but last year I did a fun class. I do wine and food classes at Cook's Warehouse as well, and I did a fun class called Not the Usual Suspects, and I chose wine from places like Finger Lakes, like Virginia, like Texas, and Lodi, California, so I did a lot of research. I'm determined to get back to Texas, a wine country, because they do have some beautiful wine. Perfect. Well, I will add it to my list as well. I've been hearing such fun things. And it just makes me appreciate that you are helping people explore wine outside of maybe the labels that they recognize, like you mentioned earlier, or even the places that people are most familiar with. But what do you think people should know? And I say people in terms of, you know, anywhere in the United States or even around the world of other winemaking countries, what do you think people should know about the culture of wine and food here in Atlanta or in the Southeast? Like what is setting us apart? Do you think? I see a lot more interest in um, drinking wine. That's not just Chardonnay, Sauvignon Blanc and Cabernet Sauvignon. So I see a lot of interest in different varietals and learning a little bit more about them. I think rosé has taken off with a bullet here in the South. And I think that that's interesting because and it's men drinking rosé too. It's not just women. In the past, I think in the South, we thought, oh, it's pink wine. It's white Zinfandel. And then all of a sudden, we started drinking wine from the South of France. And then the rosé came to the United States. We have beautiful California rosé now. So I think the last thing I'll say about that is the interest in sparkling wine in the Southeast. I have more and more people that really enjoy Prosecco and Cava and Cremant. And the way that it pairs with Southern food too, I think it's pretty spectacular. Both I think the rosé and sparkling with the acid, with some of those like fresher citrus flavors from, from some of the brighter bubbly that you can get. I think the way that it combines with just the classic Southern cuisine, I found that really exciting. And anytime I see like a sparkling rosé on like one of those gourmet Southern kind of cuisine restaurants, I get really excited and usually it goes with mac and cheese and fried chicken. So we're on, we're, we're right in the same lane there. That is exactly right. I always say that champagne is best a pair for French fries. And see, you can tell I'm not a food Nazi, but um, any kind of fried food is wonderful with sparkling wine. So that's perfect. It's a fun thing that maybe, maybe the South is really kind of leading the way on that of these fun ways that we're using, you know, traditional food that comes from this region and then finding some fun ways to elevate the wine knowledge that goes along with the combination of the two. So I'm excited. Are you, are you from the Southeast region? I actually was born in Arkansas, but my family moved. I went to 13 different schools before I graduated from high school, but I've been here in Atlanta now since dirt. So this is home. Okay, so you feel part of the South and it's embraced your your lifestyle. I think that's fantastic. So how do you continue now your wine 
and food education. Are you doing any formal classes for yourself or do you plan to go take any other certifications? I probably am not going to have any more certifications. I've really thought about um, seriously about getting diploma from the Wine and Spirits Education Trust. I just don't think I need it. I'm not interested in teaching professionals. I'm interested in teaching people that want to learn so that they can go on and learn more. So I, I have thought of that. I actually belong to the Society of Wine Educators. I go to that conference every year. And I get a good chance to talk to others. But most of my um, learning is actually on the ground, you know, going and tasting wine, talking to other people, talking to the winemakers. Um, I think that's where you really get a great appreciation. And I know if you worked in a winery in Virginia, you probably got to know so much more about it because you were actually in the thick of it. And I think that's how you learn a lot. You are exactly right. I think it's very crazy how most of my wine knowledge is exactly that. It is on the job. It's in the field. Being mentored by my winemaker, everything I know that got me into wine was from working in it myself. So I really appreciate that you've kind of shouted that out. Of course, the formal education is really important for that backbone, but also there's no comparison to drinking and learning about wine in the setting that you're in. So I I love that you have the combination of both. And I also know that you are now a published author. Can you tell me about your cookbook? I think it's called Taste and Savor. What is that all about? I actually have two cookbooks now. Oh, two cookbooks. Oh, double published author. Here you go. My first cookbook was called Taste and Savor. It was my extension of my weekly newsletter. Because on my newsletter, I have a healthy recipe, a get creative tip uh, with one of the ingredients at kitchen scoop. So something about it. And I have a wine pairing under $20. And so that was an extension of my Friday four. Um, So then time passes and it was 2018 and I had so many different recipes and, you know, I'm just like anybody else, just because you're a chef or a wine educator doesn't mean you don't learn along the way. So I had lots more things to tell people. So I published taste and savor life last year. Oh, that's exciting. Okay, yeah, so double published author, sharing more knowledge along the way. Are you pairing those foods and wines at home? Like, do you follow your own tips and tricks? I do. It's very funny. When when I first started on my real wine journey back in the early 2000s, my husband would say, can we just drink the wine? Because I, I used to keep a wine journal every single bottle I drank or tasted. And my husband would say, Oh my gosh, can we just drink the wine? And now he is so totally turned the other way. If we have a bottle and we open it and and we don't think it's very good, he'll say, just go get another one. Life is too short to drink bad wine, Nancy. This sounds like an excellent life motto. That is amazing. So now you are thinking about each wine that you're tasting, and you really want it to be enjoyable. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't either. And, you know, um, we tend to drink lighter wines at home because I make a lot of lighter food, but if we are going to have a steak or a pork chop or something like that, we absolutely pair it with an appropriate wine. 
Perfect. So you're following your own advice even at home, which makes me even more interested in like knowing how you approach food and wine pairings because you're living it yourself, which is super fun. I think that's great. Well, where can people find out more about you and what you offer as services? Like if there are potential clients or people want to know about your classes, I know you talked about the Emory classes, but do you do any like pop-ups or other private events that people can find out? Is it your website? Would that be the best place to go? The website is really good. I'm, I'm really good at posting on social media. And I do pop-ups uh, with a local wine store called Local Vine over by Cumberland Mall. But I do those about once a month. I also do private wine classes. But I publish almost everything either on, on the social medias or um, on my website. I'm really inspired by the way that you combine kind of health, food, and wine in what you do and what you offer to folks. We have a lot in common, and that's inspiring. As someone who looks up to people who are just living it, you're living the dream. So thank you so much, Nancy. I look forward to pairing our champagne with French fries. That's going to be the next thing that we do together. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. I enjoy talking to you.